0: Hi, I'm Andy Brown, the editorial director of the Bloomberg New Economy. I'll be with you for the next few weeks sharing highlights of my video broadcast called On the Front Lines and Bloomberg New Economy Conversations, which look at how COVID-19 is reshaping the global economy. You can find them all on Bloomberg.com. One of the first global consumer companies to feel the impact of COVID-19 was the beer giant A.B. InBev, whose brands include Budweiser, Corona, and Stella Artois. A.B. InBev operates a brewery in Wuhan, China, where the pandemic began and which was the world's first city to go into lockdown. But as life returns to normal in Wuhan and cities all over the world, beer is flowing again in record quantities. For A.B. InBev CEO Carlos Brito, This turnaround in fortunes tells an optimistic story about mankind's ability to rebound from this catastrophe. Ultimately, he says, humans are social creatures. COVID-19 may have pushed us temporarily into isolation, but it hasn't killed our urge to gather, to cultivate friendships, to celebrate. Cheers to that. I hope you enjoy this and other interviews on how the coronavirus is transforming the business world. And thanks to Stephanie Flanders for letting me hijack her feed. Carlos Brito, welcome to the program. Thank you, great to be here, Andrew. So you were one of the very first global consumer companies to feel the impact of COVID-19. That's because you operate a brewery in Wuhan, China, which, of course, is where the outbreak began. Tell us a little bit about what happened in Wuhan and how's the situation there today?
1: It's interesting you ask this, Andrew, because in January, in the first uh, week of January, first 10 days, I was in China and I traveled you know, throughout five different cities. We had wholesaler conventions. We had people from all over China. I interacted with everybody. Everything was normal. Then it came back 10 days later, the whole thing in China started with the lockdowns and the travel restrictions during the first day of Chinese New Year. Uh, In Wuhan, uh, we have one of our close to 40 breweries. We have a big operation in China. It's one of our top five countries. We have 30,000 colleagues there. And uh, Wuhan, yes, it's a big brewery, but it's one of many. And uh, everything in the country went through a a lockdown, and shutdown, consumers, businesses, everything for a month and a half. And then we started reopening. And Wuhan was, uh, was one of the last brewers to reopen. But now for the past two months, everything's back to normal in China, as much as it can be. When you look at retailers, bars, restaurants, everything, they're pretty much all open. Our offices are back to normal since two months. So China's way ahead of the curve. Uh, the same with Korea. South Korea, we have also big business there. And they also experienced the COVID as China did in the end of January. And they're all back to the new normal.
0: So is Wuhan a bellwether for global consumption trends today? I think we learned a
1: lot in China. I think one of the big advantages of being a global company, and we operate in all continents uh, and have big you know, business around all the major countries. The big advantage, as you said at the beginning, was that we learned from China early on how to be able to operate, uh, guaranteeing the safety of our people, how to observe and to understand where consumers are going in terms of their consumption, how to adapt our supply chain to the new reality. And when the pandemic started becoming, you know, going to Europe, Africa, the Americas, we had the protocols they were in China and South Korea, by our colleagues, on how to operate. So all we had to do is pretty much translate everything and uh, because you had to observe social distancing, for example, within the breweries. So you had to operate with fewer people. You had to work from home. You had consumers now not being able to go to bars, restaurants, hotels, or travel, and a lot of occasions migrating to the in-home occasion. And with that, consumers buying more in supermarkets, grocery stores, and that had a big impact on the supply chain in terms of package mix brand mix you know in terms of delivery distribution so agility was something that we learned from china that was very key to navigate given the fluidity of the situation and uncertainty because every country was a bit different in how the pandemic developed in what measures governments took in different countries in terms of lockdowns stay home type uh, mandates and our consumers also reacted. But the learning in China was key for us to navigate in Europe, Africa, the Americas.
0: You've just announced record beer sales. It seems as though people can't wait to start drinking again. What's driving this and is it sustainable?
1: It's interesting you ask that because in China, because it was the first country, the big country of ours that was affected, we did a lot of consumer research during the pandemic. And what we saw is that uh, the, the question was, what would you like to do once the pandemic is over? And what they told us is that they would, would love to go back to their normal life. So they would love to go to restaurants, to travel, to meet their friends physically, to go visit relatives, family members, and, uh, and do all those sorts of things, go to ball games, go to music festivals. So that gave us a little bit of an insight that yes, there'll be a new normal, But the fundamental things that consumers are trying to do when they have free time and in trying to keep a close relationship with family and friends are still very much deep inside of them. And we don't think those things will change.
0: Beer is obviously a colossal global industry, but it's also very local. You're literally everywhere. Take us around the world. Where are you seeing positive consumption trends? Where are the problems?
1: Well, if you look at our, you're very right, uh, Andrew, our business is global, but very local at the same time. If you look at everything we sell, more than 95% of what we sell, the supply chain of that 95% is all local. We buy raw materials from farmers that are local. We use water local. We hire our colleagues locally. We brew locally. We sell back to consumers locally. So we are very connected to uh, our communities. And that's why right. during COVID, once again, we tried to be in a big way part of the solution. And we provided in many countries hospitals. We used our trucks that were idle to help governments distribute food. We we get, we get we, we, we started producing face masks, face shields, alcohol sanitizer, hand sanitizers, because we deal with, with non-alcohol beers. So the alcohol we extracted from the non-alcohol beer, we repurposed to hand sanitizers. So we did all those things, because again, we're part of the community. Our colleagues and our consumers live in the community. So um, that was something that was key for us. It was key for us, also we learned learning from China, to establish those priorities very clear day one. First priority, safety of our colleagues. Second, our communities. Third, our consumers, how to support them at home with uh, entertainment, with streaming, with delivery services, so they because they had to be at home. How to support the supply chain, be it upstream our suppliers or downstream our bars, restaurants, pubs, our retailers. We did lots of things to support them to bridge this lockdown. And at the end, how to support, again, uh, how to be prepared for the recovery, because we knew the recovery would come, and how to understand the new normal and all consumers will be
0: Talking about the recovery of the new normal, there's a lot of concerns that many bars and restaurants in cities will never reopen. What are you seeing? And then more generally, how seriously do you take this idea that COVID-19 could trigger this sort of stampede out of cities?
1: Well, in terms of bars and restaurants, we're very committed to their recovery. In many countries are getting together with other uh, CPG companies, like in Brazil, for example, And we are there to finance their coming back to business, to finance that first purchase when they reopen, to provide them with a reopening kit, hand sanitizers, gowns, gloves, everything, and to also give a discount on some key SKUs, key products, so they can get back to business. Uh, When you look at our supply chain, most of our farmers that we buy from are small farmers, 15,000 of them, And of the six million retailers that we service on a weekly basis throughout the world, most of them are small and medium businesses. So our success is very connected to their success. And that's why we're so connected to having them recovering from this whole pandemic that affected them in a big way. So for example, one of the things we did during the pandemic was twofold. First, we launched in many countries, in more than 20 countries, vouchers, so consumers could buy vouchers to help the retailers why they were closed, their favorite pubs, and then redeem that when the pub would reopen. And the second thing is that we put very quickly because we have a very, a very big tech team in, in inside our company, we put in place um, apps that would connect consumers that were in stay-home type mandates and orders with our retailers that were in shutdown, but they need each other. So we put that app to connect them. And in the Americas today, this app is already a big deal. We have hundreds of thousands of uh, retailers that are connected and hundreds of thousands of consumers that are using it. So we did everything we could during, and now after the pandemic, to make sure this uh, pubs, restaurants will come back.
0: So it seems pretty likely that more and more people will work from home permanently um, after this even after the pandemic has, has gone away. Does that concern you? Does it affect you in any way? Fewer after work drinkers?
1: Well, our our offices, for example, if you take us as an example, we've always worked in open open plan offices. You know, so nobody has an office. I'll work in a big table with my direct reports around me. Everybody can see me, everybody can come talk to me. There's no doors, no assistance block, anything. So we, we've we always done that for now 30 years because we believe that people having contact with, with each other is very important. So for example, I think Zoom and, and this kind of technology can bridge you know, during a pandemic you know, much better than I, I thought and I think most people thought. So it's very efficient, but it does not replace 100% the experience of people bumping into each other, having a coffee at a break, having a beer at the end of the day, we have bars and all our offices. So at the end of the day, they can have a beer, talk about business, talk about life. It doesn't replace the traveling. A lot of my routine, for example, is traveling to all these countries around the world. And when you travel, you meet wholesalers, you meet clients, you see consumers while they're shopping, you ask consumers questions. So all those things are not programmed interactions, that cannot be replaced easy by Zoom. Zoom can replace what's programmed. So meetings that are, you know, in your calendar. But these things that happen as you go through markets and you see people buying and you see your people in action and you interact with the customer and you visit the wholesaler, these things technology cannot replace. So I think, yes, there'll be some flexibilization of the work environment, but I think people will find that after a couple months, you know, for example, suppose you have somebody new join your company. How can this person, it's not fair with them that we continue the whole life like this because they'll now be able to understand how the company works, how the the culture is all about, because they won't be able to interact with people. So I think what's happening now is that we're using a lot of the social capital that we've been accumulating, but there's a limit. At some point, you have to accumulate more capital in the bank in terms of your colleagues and how well
0: you know them. Last question. Your entire business model depends on bringing people together. Does that change in any way as a result of COVID-19? Do we become less social or the opposite?
1: No, no. I think what changes is that, for example, I'll start from the culture of our company. Our culture is a culture of ownership in, in that we treat the company as ours, a culture of talented people, big dreams, and more importantly, a culture that we go where consumers go, because that's where growth is. So what we've been observing during this pandemic is that consumers have the same needs of getting together. It's just that, just that because of all the restrictions, they had to use technology to do so. But what you also observe is that as 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 as, as soon as these restrictions are eased, consumers go back and try to regain the ground they lost in terms of physical interactions. Of consum- of course, consumers are more cautious. They are more, uh, you know, they're looking more at uh, social distancing, wearing masks and all that. But at the end, the physical contact, we believe the new normal will have, it's yet to be defined, but consumers will go to some old habits because those are, have been ingrained forever. I mean, the human being is a social uh, animal. We like to be together with people. And uh, yes, technology can bridge lots of things, but at the end of the day, the human being is the human being. And I think the new normal will entail Lots of things that used to be the old normal, for sure.
0: Carlos Brito, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll tune in later this year for a digital edition of the annual Bloomberg New Economy Forum where business and government leaders from around the world will talk about the challenge of building a more sustainable and equitable post-COVID economy.